Hello, everybody. This is Gene Mims on the 204060 podcast. Our old friend Jared Runyon is not able to make it today through a technological problem we've been having, but Jeff Mims is here. So the two co-pastors of Judson Baptist Church are here, and the single pastor, the sole pastor carrying all the load at the gathering at 840 is here. That would be me. And today we're going to look at uh, generational gifts, the gifts of the various generations to our own generation and maybe their impact uh, on that. Jeff, how you doing today? Doing good. Well, I know you've been in some meetings, and we had staff meeting today. Everything seems to be going good here at JBC. Uh, as we think about generations, every time I think about Judson, I think about uh, two things first. It's kind of funny. I hardly ever think about the present first. I always think about the future and the past. Isn't yep. that crazy? Uh, you know, we're so wrapped up in the present and uh, trying to do what we're going to do, but we're always focused on the next Sunday or the next year or the next cycle or whatever. And then we're always appreciative uh, of the past. So what do you think about that? What do you think about Let's just say generations past and maybe uh, present, and then we'll fold in our own generations here. Well, it's been funny because we've had such a great response to our interview that we did with uh, the Kimbros. That's yeah. been a, a, a well-received uh, podcast, and so many of our folks have listened to it and come back with insights and, and different things that they got out of that. And that's certainly the generation kind of that's not represented here. Um, but as we as we were kind of talking about this, one of the things that popped into my mind was – some things that we've certainly gotten from the generations that aren't represented today, specifically the the generation of your parents, my grandparents. And that was in large part, I guess, brought on because of the fact that we were just in Louisiana for the holidays. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was kind of a neat connection to make. We saw a drawbridge that uh, your grandfather, my great-grandfather, used to run. And the connection there being that my son is named for him, yeah. somebody I never met. So yeah. that was kind of cool to walk those steps. Boy, their influence in our lives are... Uh kind of amazing. You know, they came out of World War II really not talking about it. Uh, today, we, we have veterans that talk about their experience and, you know, over in the Middle East or wherever they serve in Korea or whatever. But the World War II generation just kind of were glad to get that over. And then they just built a country. You know, they, they just went to work and they had plenty of opportunity. Unfortunately, usually after uh, wars in our country, uh, we do better technologically and economically. And, you know, they came back, they bought houses, they they started their careers and went to school on the GI Bill and, and just, you know, just did what they needed to do. And when I think about generational gifts, one of the things that, that they did was they always wanted the world to be better for their children. Yep. They they really didn't think so much about themselves as they did about their their, their families and families really meant something to them because they'd all, you know, the ones that were alive at the end of the war uh, were grateful that it was over and that that mess was finally settled. And they went about building, you know, their families and that probably without knowing what they were doing, but they really built the world again. You think about our enemies, Germany and Japan, and how they flourished after World War II. Right. Incredible gifts, credible work ethics, ethics that they had. It, it, it was really great. I think that's one of the funny things about that generation kind of relating to your generation. You mentioned this idea of they wanted you and your sister to be to have life better than what they had had, whatever that was. And, of course, you know, when you look back at what they had, it was pretty good. So to, to say that you wanted it to be better, it really kind of perpetuated this idea of the American dream, the American dream getting all that you can, 
kind of kind of getting it for yourself and it kind of kind of led into some some of those pleasurable things one of the funny things about that you and I had a conversation a number of years ago about how difficult of a burden that is for your generation to put that on our generation to say we want y'all to do better than we've done because if if you think about what you guys lived through in the 90s and whatnot I mean that was kind of some of the zenith of American economic yeah. boom and um, you know, now, you know, we're talking, we were just talking about before we came on air about, you know, are we going to have healthcare? What will healthcare look like? You know, everybody wants to be in the healthcare industry. No, you, I think your line was nobody wants to insure anybody. Right. Well, one of the, I think one of the things that is a little bit maybe lost in my generation of all of those things, uh, your parents understood the idea of working hard and waiting your turn. You understood it. But our generation, when I was in my 30s, I was watching all my friends kind of mortgage their lives trying to get what their parents had worked a lifetime for. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, a vacation home. Yeah. You know, so I, I want to have a vacation home and I'm 35 years old. Well, you know, grandma and grandpa didn't get a travel trailer until they were in, you know, in their late 50s or you didn't get a vacation. You know, you worked for something and there was this idea of putting it off and we kind of became generation now. Yeah, my, my dad and mom really – uh, retirement actually surprised them. They, they uh, my grandfather died on that bridge, mm -hmm. uh, you know, or working. Uh, he didn't die on the bridge, but he died while working. He was 77 years old. Still, still working. working. Never thought about retirement because he couldn't. Uh, there was no, there was no fallback for him, insurance or otherwise. And when does social security come on? That's in the thirties, isn't it? Right. It, yeah. It, the great society. Right. No. Sixties. No, in the thirties. Franklin yeah. Roosevelt. He's yeah. the one that does it. Yeah. Yeah, and so my my grandfather, you know, uh, he would have been a mini, mi, a miniature version yeah, of yeah. Social Security and what he paid him, into. It wouldn't yeah. have helped him a bit. Never owned a home, never drove a car, never owned a car, drove it, and uh, he never expected, you know, to do anything. I guess the expectation was when you finally wore out, you you, you kind of hook up with one of your kids or your children would take care of you uh, if you were fortunate, and they would have in in that case, mm -hmm. uh, like they did my other grandmother. Uh, but my dad, I think retirement surprised them. They had enough resources to, you know, buy that travel trailer and go around and, and they were like kids again. They were discovering things that, uh, you know, cause we didn't, we didn't do vacations. We just worked. Yeah, so, so great family story about that is that, uh, my grandparents disappeared. They, they just, no cell phones. <laughs> they did. And how it was over a month. Yeah. We couldn't find them. We didn't know where they were. And uh, we called the house, you know, and phone ring, and uh, it was just—it was amazing. Well, they were out at a at a campground, living in the campground, thirty miles away, while my dad was kind of finishing out his career. <laughs> and, and and you know, it was like uh, it was a reversal. I was I was fussing at my my parents for <laughs> staying out late. You know, hey, you, you've been gone a month. What's going on here? I think you might want to call. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you know, we've been over here at the campgrounds, and and then they started naming all these people that were their friends that you know we didn't know, and it was just a surprise for them. Uh, it, you know, it really was. They gave us e enormous gifts that way. Uh, they they really were the generation that built a country that allowed the prosperity to continue. But here's the difference, and I guess this would be where I would talk about a negative gift that my generation has given you, whereas. You know, my, my parents' generation gave us opportunity and uh, education and, you know, uh, all the things that that were great. I think about, you know, my father went to first went to school in a covered wagon hmm. uh, drawn by mules. and uh, that, know, was, that was the school bus. That was the school bus, yeah, yeah. and had a lunch bucket. 
uh, a bucket, literally a bucket with rice in the bottom of it that they would put, you know, sandwiches or whatever. And, uh, you know, he, he got to see space shuttles and, you know, computers and just all kind of stuff. My generation didn't so much create the wealth as started to consume the wealth. Yeah. And so we became consumers instead of producers. That's why debt came on and, and, uh, we consumed everything, the sexual revolution, the, the, the rise of this me generation and whatever else. And so we've kind of handed that off to you. And then, and then now the millennial generation, and uh, we may be in a little trouble here on that one until we can sort it out. What would be one of the things that you saw in, I guess, as you were raising my sister and myself as I guess I would put it like this. What, what, what did you, what were your greatest fears for us that you weren't going to instill this in us or that you weren't going, I'm not talking about spiritual nature of life. I mean, I know, you know, that, that was a centerpiece of our lives, but I mean, I'm talking about if your parents were worried about, are you going to do better than us? Where did it land for you? Two or three levels. Number one, I wanted to make sure that, you know, if I died before uh, you and, and your sister were, you know, out of college or whatever else, uh, number one, that your your mother would have enough security to help you all make it. But I really, I really wanted you to be able to to make a living, make a go in the world, to be able to make decisions, make some financial decisions, learn how to discern people in relationships. And it was hard, you know, because uh, both 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 you and your sister Marianne went through typical stages of life. Uh, when you were children, I didn't worry about it so much. But after you got up and you know, in high school and places like that, I thought, now, can they make a living? Can they, can they be independent? You know, if they never marry, can they be all right? Uh, you know, we, we spent a lot of time introducing you when you all were younger to, uh, adults, you know, we'd have them at the house and, and the preachers and just folks, and we'd had parties and you all were always included. You didn't have to stay up there all the time. You could go play, but, uh, I wanted you to know how to look people in the eye and shake their hands and, you know, be interested in who they were. That was my concern. Can they make a living in a world that, that maybe nobody quite understands? And so that's why we made you work. You know, we gave you the mm -hmm. option. You could do sports or you could work because I thought both of those things would teach you all. Uh, everything else could pile in on that. But if you didn't know how to do that, or if you were allowed to be lazy and not do that, then you'd be a failure. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's funny because for me, at this stage in my life, you and I have talked about it a lot, and probably because of the stage that you're in, but I'm thinking about that and questioning that is it, it's more for me back to something that you'd mentioned earlier, you know, grand, grandmother and D, my grandparents, surprised by retirement. I don't want to be surprised by retirement. Yeah. I don't want to show up there. Uh, and, and we talk about this a lot. I'm not looking to retire early. I'm not looking to be able to retire and go play golf every day, but I want to retire if I have to retire, if I can't work, if I'm disabled, or I, have I done what I need to in these days well, you know, in to these prepare for that? Well, and the threat to you, uh, that's not so much for me, but it is for my generation. Most of my generation, uh, I don't know how in the world they're going to retire. I, I've often said that socialism will come to America because of the lack of people working. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, ours is the first generation. Mine's the first generation where you didn't have to, you really didn't have to work to live. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's, there's enough 
going on around you and uh, uh, agencies, support agencies, I guess, where you just really didn't have to work to live. And I know that because of family members mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, this just didn't work, that they never, never really made a living. Uh, you know, when you do demographic studies and generational studies, a lot of times the first generation and the fourth are kind of a lot alike. Uh, so, you know, your great-grandfather had to work until he died. Uh, my great fear is your generation is going to have to do the same thing. Yeah, you're never, never going to be able to retire. Yeah, and, it, and and that's one of the things. I remember we talked about this on a podcast very early on uh, of 204060, talking about the differences, how millennials feel like they don't have to play by the rules, so they create their own jobs. And I'm a photographer. I live in the back of my van, and I, you know I don't have any expenses, so I don't have to worry about work. And I think I remember saying, because I've said it to some of our young guys in the in the church, Man, you want to be in music? Chase the dream. Absolutely. Not, give yourself five years to that, but put $2,000 a year in a retirement fund. Yeah. You know, I mean, make that a priority, and then you can chase whatever dream you want because it's okay not to have a car today that's great. It's okay not to own a home at 28. It's not okay to be 40 and have never started retirement. You know? Well, and the fact that uh, you, you just mentioned some stuff that uh, is one of those negative gifts, I guess, also that that my generation gave, you know, we, we gave you debt, you know, the national debt is, it's just unimaginable what that really means. And, uh, then, you know, as a solution to the rising cost of education, we've allowed the, the United States government to put debt on students when states stopped supporting, you know, colleges like they did and whatever. So now these students are coming out with debt by the way that they have to pay, uh, you know, you can go bankrupt, but you still have to pay the debt to the government, which yeah. is a little amazing. And so you've got all that going. In fact, there's a, there's a new book by John Grisham that addresses that. It's a fascinating fiction book, work of fiction about three students who have law school debt hmm. uh, that they can't pay. And so that's, you know, that's just kind of interesting. But we gave you that. We gave you, uh, we gave you the ruination uh, of or the chaos, I guess, that surrounds sexuality, gender identity. Uh, the loss of really what marriage is. I think I, I was telling people the other day that uh, I read recently that uh, that uh, uh, the city, I believe it was the city council in San Francisco has allowed a woman to marry herself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what is marriage anymore? We don't even know what that is. Uh, with the sexual revolution that's supposed to be so great for everybody, we've had, in, you know, we've had abuse and the loss of marriage. We've had uh, uh, these great gender identity issues and nobody, everybody, well, you know, it's, you introduce the chaos, it's Pandora's box, but you can't put it back in the box. You introduce the chaos and you can't, you don't have any answers for it. The rise of abuse. It's just, it's incredible. One in four, uh, women will be abused, you know, in their lifetimes, uh, sexually abused. Uh, unfortunately that's some of the results of what we've given. When you add consumerism to that, man, it's rough. Just to kind of, I was looking for this while you were talking, just to give you an idea, the average household debt, this came out of USA Today last week, credit cards, 16000 auto loans, 30000 student loans, fifty. So you add that up, and that almost is, uh, it's more than half of what the average mortgage is of, of the U.S. household, which is $180,000. So how in the world uh, are you going to buy a house unless you get a subprime mortgage and so, uh, so we're, we're right back where we were. Exactly. It's 2000. We're, we're yeah. going to have 2008 all over. Yeah, nothing there. changed. And so you better be saving your, uh, your coins. And so that, that's kind of where we're living, but I think we can take generational gifts. I think we can take the gifts of the, this generation and we see their optimism. 
and they'll figure they'll figure it out like every generation has i think i think people in my seat often feel like uh, uh our grandchildren or the millennials which old enough almost to be i'm old enough almost to be their grandfather uh sometimes we tend to believe that they can't figure it out well they can and they will uh it gives us great opportunity however to be who we are uh to witness and encourage and to build up people offer the real uh community that people are seeking for and the real answers. I'm telling you, nobody has answers for this chaos, uh, except Jesus Christ. That's yeah. the only, there, there are no answers. Uh, the people who put us in debt are trying to get us uh, out of debt and tax cuts and whatever. It's a joke. Uh, you know, people, uh, talking about debt and putting students in debt that they can't pay and you can't get a job, uh, good enough to pay your debt off you know, before your kids go to college to no. get more debt. No, you're just gonna you're just gonna sock it sock it up there. I, I think one of the things that I would say about the about this is that um, you you need to find a church and engage in that and be part of the process generationally for a number of reasons. But one, you know, just at our church, you if you're hearing these things and you're finding yourself leveraged up to your eyeballs, you know, the scripture has great words of wisdom about debt. And uh, we teach people how at, at this church all the time how to be godly stewards of everything God's given you and not be a slave to debt. You, these are things that can be remedied in your personal life. And the truth of it is, if they were remedied in our personal lives, then we'd start to see a different shape of the national picture as well. The great challenge in what you just said, however, is that many Christians have a belief, but they really don't have faith. Yeah, uh, they have a belief in the right things, but they have sep- they live in two different worlds. Their belief world says, when I die, I'm going to heaven. I made a decision for Christ, and uh, you know, I pray and ask God to help me and resource me. But then I live as if there is no God. Yeah. I live as if you know, science is right and technology is the answer and education is what I need. And you, know, you listen to all these voices that got you into the mess but can't really uh, get you out of it. So as Christians uh, and as churches, we, we need to preach an authentic gospel and build authentic communities and really engage people at the points where they're living and not just on these uh, surface issues. It's, it, you know, uh, debt is a spiritual issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, adultery is a spiritual issue. Uh, consumerism is a spiritual issue. Uh, education is a spiritual issue. We, mm-hmm. we think of these things not in, spiritual, uh, not in spiritual terms. So you can go to the best university, but if you pay for it for the rest of your life and you get a you know, a, a, a job that that won't let you pay for that, that's a spiritual issue. That's wrong. Yeah. I think I think one thing that pops into my mind, too, as you were talking about the greatest generation built the country uh, and how the millennials will figure it out, they're waiting for their crisis because crisis is the innovation. Yeah. You know, and for, you know, World War II, um, you know, all, all you have to do is see what great crisis we were in. I was just last week watched a uh, a documentary by a lady who was in Auschwitz, and she takes teenagers back there. She was a young girl, and she takes teenagers back there to show them what life was like. That was a great crisis, and to overcome that is huge. To be a productive member of society, and she is well. They they will have they will have theirs. My generation. We'll have its, we, you know, it's it's gener- generational problem. We are maybe we're we're coming out of the, the age of terror or whatnot. 
I don't know if that's been quite as great a crisis as as it needs to bring wholesale change. Well, you know, economic collapse. It hadn't hit us again. Yeah. You know, recently. Yeah, something yeah. like that. I, you know, one thing I am finding, uh, one of the gifts that you can give to anybody is your time and your interest. Uh, we recently started out at um, the church plant. We recently started a, a young adult class, and all of these all of these guys and gals are in their twenties. Some are. A few are college students. Some are uh, ones in law school and stuff like that. But what I found is that they absolutely enjoy uh, being with us. Now we're not going to where they go at the movies and to you know uh, the social clubs and whatever else. That's what they do. But when we're all together, whether it's at lunch or they're over at the house or we're just hanging out with them, uh, first of all, your mom and I love it. We learn so much from them, but they love it. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they really do. And I, I don't ask for that feedback. This is just what I get f- from various ones and leaders and whatever. You know, man, these guys just love being that. And that's what I remember about my grandparents and some of the people in my dad's generation, how, how much fun it was to be with them, listen to their stories and, and just think, you know, I probably can't do that like they did it. But I, I want I want the same thing. I want to I want a stable family. I want to, you know, I want to make a living. I, you know, I, I want to I want to fight back this fear that I'm never going to be anything or go anywhere. I want to I want to work hard. Uh, you know, I want to work hard to do that. I think sometimes in my gen- my generation's gift has been you know go play and you know take the take the vacation whether you can afford it or not. Or hmm. I don't you know we have kids but we don't have time for them. Uh, you know, we think as much about our pets as we do about our children. Those kind sure. of things are confusing uh, to a lot of people. But boy, spending time and getting getting an ethic and getting a focus on what it takes, you know, uh, just just to make a living. I'm writing a book about a guy right now for a family, writing a biography. And one thing that his wife said about him, he's passed now, but is that. Uh, said he he said to her always if there's a if there's a living to be made out there I'll make it. Well, I love that attitude. Mm-hmm. You know, let's go hit the ground running and and go do whatever it takes, not just to feed your family, but to make a life. You mm-hmm. know, not you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that idea of more than just surviving really starting to thrive. Thriving is uh is is easy to do when you kind of know where you're going. You don't always know how to get there. But if you have that in mind to say, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to, I'm going to provide for my family. That's one thing my dad did for us and, and instilled in me, uh, boy, you know, you're going to get married. You're going to have a family. You provide for your family. You protect them. Uh, you know, you engage them. I never did think my dad was my buddy. You know, mm-hmm. we weren't buddy, buddy. Uh, we had love for each other, but uh, he had a job to do. You know, his job was to go and make a life for us and, and give us, you know, what we needed. And I appreciated that even as a as a, a little kid. I, we had a lot of stability. Was it was it Yogi Berra that said, uh, if you don't if you don't know where you're going, you might end up there. Yeah, you'll get there. Yeah. I think that's kind of that I mean, it, that's what happens. You you might end up somewhere you don't want to be. And that idea of of knowing kind of what it is. And I, I would just say to my generation, as we kind of think about this, your your misplaced ideas of I have to have it now are dangerous, not only to you, but to your family. Uh, and showing restraint 
and not believing the lie that says if you haven't taken your kids to Disney World five times before they're six means that you're a bad parent. That's a lie. You know, uh, what what our children's pastor says all the time, and, and I, love, I love what he's saying, is your kids remember experiences more than they remember the stuff you bought them. You know, yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. But what you're describing once again is a is a spiritual issue. That's right. And until we live as spiritual people in every aspect of our lives, uh, it never leaves us. You're always tempted, even even at my age, you're always tempted to buy, consume, do something. And especially if you have a little money now, you know, once the kids mm-hmm. get up and kind of going, and you have a little extra, you can still do that. But what's the spiritual issue? How does this how does this build my life? How does it build anybody else's life? How does it give glory to God? And it's not that we can't have enjoyment. It's not that we can't have fun and whatever. And uh, but 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 in a spiritual sense, what what is this? What's the meaning of this? Hey, we all need to take a breath sometimes. We all need to stop doing what we're doing and you know retool, play golf, go on a vacation, you know, do something. I, I I'm a hundred percent for that. Yeah. But What's the spiritual, you know, implications of this? I don't mean the religious implications. I don't mean right. the cult. I don't mean the culturally appropriate Christian response to that. I mean, what's what's this to my life, you know, and where I'm going in my relationship uh, to the Lord? I think when you do that, uh, you can get out of debt. You can avoid debt. You can have a great life. Uh, you can look around and be really happy with what God's given you. And uh, hopefully, this is my generation's gift to you and yours to the next one and and ours, yours and mine to the folks that are coming along, not only the millennials, but uh, your children, my grandchildren and the people who listen to this. Hey, it's been good to be with you today and uh, I'm glad we could spend a little time. I hope you'll uh, continue to listen. I hope you'll tell people about the podcast. Thank you for all the, the positive comments you give us. And if you ever want us to uh, chase a topic or talk about a subject, You just let us know. We'll be glad uh, to do that. And until next time, uh, we pray God's best for you and uh, that he'll keep you right in the middle of this.